3: Hello, welcome, this is It Could Happen here, and I am Shireen. Today I'm here to talk to you about, well, you guessed it, Palestine. But today is going to be a little different. I actually want to talk about olive trees and how the olive tree came to symbolize Palestinian national identity. The olive tree is not just symbolic as it symbolizes their national identity, but the roots of it are far deeper. Pun intended. So let's get into it. Olive trees feature prominently in Palestinian art and literature as symbols of steadfastness amid a life of displacement. Palestinian olive trees are yet another target, however, for Israeli settlers and the IDF. And this is why I wanted to talk about this, because there's so much talk in Zionism about how sacred the land of Palestine is, how sacred their land is, the land that I will call Palestine and how this land belongs to only them, the chosen people. But these chosen people are the same ones desecrating the land and quite literally pulling out trees from their roots. Trees that have been there for centuries, been part of that land for centuries. I've never been able to reconcile that with what Zionism pretends to be, that they respect anything at all, not even the land they supposedly belong to. And it's just something I always think about when I read reports about olive trees being uprooted or chopped down. Isn't that the land you pretend to love? What could possibly be the Zionist rationale behind destroying the nature of that land? The olive tree encapsulates the Palestinian identity. It roots an entire nation to a land and livelihood lost to occupation, While serving as a potent symbol of resistance against the territorial encroachment of illegal settlements. The Mediterranean climate is pretty balmy, and olive trees have for centuries provided a steady source of income from both the sale of their fruit and their silky golden oil derived from the fruit, aka olive oil. The land around the Sea of Galilee, which is an enclosed sea in the northeast region of Palestine, Was once the world's most important olive region. The area was the site of the earliest olive cultivation dating back to 5000 BC. And this is just a fun fact that I thought was interesting, but southern Spain and southeastern Italy are now the biggest olive oil producing regions. To this day, Between 80,000 and 100,000 families in the Palestinian territories rely on olives and their oil as primary or secondary sources of income. The industry accounts for about 70% of local fruit production and contributes about 14% to the local economy. The trees have been a target for violence and vandalism in Palestine for decades, which is nothing new but this is also compounding the already damaging effects of climate change. While other farmers around the world can work to adapt their cultivation practices to a warming climate, Palestinians lack regular access to their olive groves, and this is coupled with increasingly violent attacks on the trees and the farmers themselves. And all of this spells out just a a grim future for their historic way of life. An olive press owner in Palestine, Abu Eid, said, Climate change and the occupation are making our job more difficult than it already is. He owns several dunams of land in the inaccessible seam zone. He said, Bitter olives, that is our present, that will be our future. Palestinian farmers are also often restricted by Israeli authorities from accessing their lands that are close to settlements or the separation wall. In 2021, the International Committee of the Red Cross said, For years, the ICRC has observed a seasonal peak in violence by Israeli settlers residing in certain settlements and outposts in the West Bank toward Palestinian farmers and their property in the period leading up to the olive harvest season, as well as during the harvest season itself in October and November. And that quote was said by Els de Boeuf, the head of ICRC's mission in Jerusalem, They went on to say, farmers also experience acts of harassment and violence that aim at preventing a successful harvest, not to mention the destruction of farming equipment or the uprooting and burning of olive trees. The olive harvest season, which runs between October and November, is a lifeline for, again, about 80,000 to 100,000 Palestinian families in the occupied West Bank. Since 1967, more than 800,000 Palestinian olive trees have been illegally uprooted by Israeli authority. In August 2021 alone, more than 9,000 olive trees were removed, and on February 9th of 2020, 50 olive trees were forcibly uprooted and destroyed in the occupied West Bank region of Selphit. For the past several years, when the olive harvest begins around October, both Israeli forces and settlers regularly attack Palestinian villages and farmers and destroy their crops on almost a daily basis. They beat farmers, they spray crops with chemicals and uproot olive trees by the hundreds. In November of 2022, Israeli forces uprooted 2,000 olive trees in the West Bank. Make it make sense. You can't. It's stupid and illogical. On October 20th of 2022, a group of men armed with metal bars and stones attacked qasim al-Hajj Muhammad and his olive grove in the village of al Murayir, northeast of Ramallah. This group of nearly two dozen settlers from the nearby illegal Israeli settlement of Adiyad attacked the olive farmer and his friend Mazan Muhammad, the owner of the grove next door, uprooting and heavily damaging a total of 80 olive trees and almond saplings between the two properties. The trespassers also set fire to a vehicle and water tank for just for good measure before retreating to their homes in the illegal settlement in the northern West Bank. Ghazal Malhaj Muhammad is a 45-year-old father of four, and he said, The Israeli army backed the aggressors and threw tear gas canisters and rubber bullets at us so that the settlers can keep on destroying our crops. It's not the first time this has happened. This man already lost an eye in a similar settler attack a decade ago. And these are far from isolated incidents. This man lost an eye. Now he's losing his entire livelihood and the thing he's built for his entire life, probably his family's life as well for generations. Another incident came from Doha Asus, who is a 60-year-old farmer. She says that she got up at 5 a.m. to journey to her olive grove to harvest, only to find 35 of the precious trees that were planted by her father 70 years ago. These trees were scattered in pieces after settlers took a chainsaw to them. I couldn't contain my sorrow. I hugged the broken trunks and waved goodbye to them forever. Then the Israeli army pulled me away from my field. Many of the groves of Palestinian farmers are located in the vicinity of settlements in restricted areas under Israeli administrative and military control, which means that farmers need to apply for permits specifying when and for how long they can gain access to their own property. On top of that, Israeli law allows the government to seize Palestinian fields if they are abandoned for more than three years which is a throwback to Ottoman-era land codes. Taken together, these rules incentivize attacks to keep the farmers from accessing their groves, thus allowing for claims of abandonment and eventual seizure of the land. And many families have given up on reaching their lands for fear of being killed, which is also, I think, what the settlers want. Farming activist Ghassan Najad said, During the harvest, settlers attack us on a daily basis. They want to take possession of our lands and build more settlements. Today, the number of Israelis living in some 250 settlements built on Palestinian territory illegally, according to international law, is between 600,000 and 750,000 people. And as settlements keep expanding, the rights of Palestinians to access their land in those areas are stifled by ever more restrictive permitting. Since 2005, more than 92% of investigations into complaints made by Palestinian victims were closed without filing legal charges. Surprise, surprise. According to independent observers appointed by the UN, the violence attributed to Israeli settlers against Palestinians in the West Bank has worsened in recent months amid a, quote, atmosphere of impunity. In response to these attacks, Palestinian farmers have been forced to plant about 10,000 new olive trees in the West Bank each year to prevent the region's 5,000-year-old industry from dying out. Chana Dulin, the director of international relations with the NGO Yesh Din, said, Impunity encourages settlers to take over more land. They feel more empowered than ever to use violent means to attack Palestinians. It's hard to imagine the situation getting worse than this, but it likely will. And they also added that cooperation between settlers and the army on these organized attacks has become something of an established pattern. We've talked about this on other episodes in the past, but legislative elections in November of last year brought a sharp rise in settler violence because the far-right Religious Zionist Party and the Utsva Yehudit Party surged in the polls. Itamar Ben-Gavid is now Israel's national security minister under a new coalition deal, and this grants him control over the Israeli Border Police Division in the West Bank. He proudly advocates for expelling disloyal Arab citizens from Israel. Dior Sadat from the Jerusalem-based NGO Selim, which documents human rights violations in the occupied territories and frames Israeli policies in the West Bank as those of an apartheid regime, They said, The state of Israel is using settlers as its unofficial armed arm in the West Bank to take over more land. Settlers are fully backed by the state. We expect to witness much more violence as far-right parties gain positions of power. As the unfortunate triumph of nationalist religious ideals has made the Israeli far right integrated in mainstream politics, human rights groups are becoming increasingly concerned with the implications for Palestinians in the occupied territories, going as far as to fear a formal annexation of all or parts of the West Bank through a Knesset vote. According to UN experts, 2022 was the sixth year of consecutive annual increase in the number of Israeli attacks in the occupied territories and the deadliest in the West Bank since 2005. Let's take our first break right here. We'll be right back because we always are. Okay. Okay, we are back. Let's just jump right back in. In 2020, Hearts magazine published an article about Israelis growing ancient olive trees in the Galilee region in northern Israel. The article focuses on the Mare family, who have been growing, quote, hundreds of these ancient trees, many of which are between 200 and 800 years old, on land adjacent to Mojav de Zapori in the lower Galilee region. The olive oil produced by Neumayr's company, Rish Lakish, or Lakish, sorry, he was mispronouncing that probably. But this olive oil received high praise from Ranit Vered, the article's author and the Haritz food critic. But my question is, how did such ancient trees fall into the hands of the Neumayr family who settled into Zapori only 20 years ago? No historical context is given in the article to explain the existence of these trees, which the author writes are, quote, spread out over a large area and found in pasture is difficult for cultivation and harvesting. The answer to this question is that Mojave Tezapuri, this region, sits on land belonging to the destroyed and depopulated Palestinian village of Safuriya. According to Palestine Remembered, a website dedicated to preserving the memory of more than 400 Palestinian villages which were destroyed during the Nakba, safuriya was a relatively large community with over 5,000 residents in 1948. The area around the village, according to Walid Khalidi's book, All That Remains, was quote, well endowed with fertile soil and surface and underground water resources, with olives being the village's chief crop. Safuria was conquered by Israeli forces on July 15th, 1948. According to village residents, only a small number of people remained in the village after it was bombed from the air by Israeli forces, and very few people were able to return and retrieve their property. We talked about the Nupka in a previous episode, if you guys want to revisit that. I won't get into it too much in this episode because we already have one all about it. But uh, I'm just going to continue talking about this author, Walid Khalidi, and his books. Walid Khalidi has another book titled The Birth of the Palestinian Refugee Problem, which unveiled previously concealed Israeli state archives, which Khalidi references in his book. Israeli historian Benny Morris writes that those who remained in Safuria were expelled in 1948, but that, quote, hundreds infiltrated back in the months that followed. Israeli authorities, Morris wrote, feared that if the returning Palestinians were allowed to stay, the village would, quote, soon return to its pre-war population. By then, neighboring Jewish settlements had already coveted Safuria's lands. According to Morris, one senior Israeli official stated in November of 1948, next to Nazareth is a village whose distant lands are needed for our settlements. Perhaps they can be given to another place. Soon thereafter, the inhabitants were loaded on trucks in January of 1949 and expelled again to neighboring Arab communities. In short, going back to that Haritz article, the hundreds of ancient olive trees that are referenced did not just grow out of thin air. The Palestinian residents of Safuria planted and cultivated them for centuries. The trees were stolen from them by force the state leases those trees after claiming the village's land as its own. Some of that land is now part of a man-made forest planted by the Jewish National Fund. But to ignore the village's history, as the Haaretz article did, is no worse than ignoring the stolen land on which Israeli companies, like the one mentioned, and many others, produce its olive oil in the West Bank. Taha Muhammad Ali, the famed Palestinian poet, was born in and expelled from Safuria. The family of Muhammad Barake, the politician who heads the High Follow-up Committee for Arab Citizens of Israel, was uprooted from the village. Safuria may be gone, but its memory lives. I want to talk about how olive trees became a symbol in Palestinian art and literature. Olive trees are featured so prominently in Palestinian art and literature, even in the far-flung diaspora as symbols of rootedness in an age of displacement, self-sufficiency in times of hardship, and peace in periods of war. Sliman Mansour, a Palestinian painter in Jerusalem whose art has been long focused on the theme of land, said, The olive tree represents the steadfastness of the Palestinian people who are able to live under difficult circumstances. In the same way that the trees can survive and have deep roots in their land, so too did the Palestinian people. Mahmoud Darwish, the celebrated Palestinian poet who died in 2008, his works have many references to olives. In his 1964 poetry collection, Leaves of the Olive Tree, he wrote, Olive is an evergreen tree. Olive will stay evergreen, like a shield for the universe. Nabil Anani, the celebrated Palestinian painter, ceramicist, and sculptor, believes that the olive tree is a powerful national symbol that must be protected at all costs. Anani, who was considered one of the founders of contemporary Palestinian art, told Arab News, For me, it is both a national and artistic symbol. It reflects the nature and beauty of Palestine. Our traditions, culture, poems, and songs are often centered around the tree. To the west of Ramallah, the administrative heart of the Palestine government, Anani said that the hillsides are full of olive trees as far as the eye can see. They cover entire mountains, and it is one of the most pleasant views that anyone can observe, he said. That is the economic and symbolic power of the olive tree in Palestinian national life. The rural communities that have tended to these crops for generations are routinely targeted by illegal settlers attempting to strip families of their land and living. The late Fauda Talqan, one of the most respected female poets in Palestinian literature, saw olive trees as symbols of unity with nature and of hope for the renewal and rebirth of Palestine. In a 1993 poem, she wrote The roots of the olive tree are from my soil, and they are always fresh. Its lights are emitted from my heart, and it is inspired, until my creator filled my nerve, root, and body. So he got up while shaking its leaves due to maturity created within him. More than just a source of income and artistic inspiration, however, olives also form a vital part of Palestinian diet and culinary culture. Pickled olives feature in breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, and also provide significant nutritional health benefits. Olive oil, meanwhile, is used in scores of recipes, the most popular of which is Zataruzet, which is basically fluffy pita bread dipped in oil then dabbed liberally in a thyme based powder that includes sesame seeds and spices. Um, my mom actually talks about this all the time. It was one of her staples growing up in childhood. We're obsessed with it. Uh, Palestinian Zatar is delicious in particular. But olive oil is a huge part of this cultural Arab staple. Beyond the dinner table, olive oil historically has had many other uses. It's been a source of fuel and oil lamps, a natural treatment for dry hair, skin, and nails, and even as an insecticide. It is not only the fruit and its oil that the olive tree contributes to the cultural and economic life of Palestine. Olive pits, the hard stones in the center of the fruit have long been repurposed to make strings of prayer beads used by Muslims and Christians alike. As for the leaves and branches of the trees, they are trimmed during the harvest season to be used as feed for sheep and goats, while the broad canopy of the olive grove provides animals and their shepherds with welcome shade from the relentless afternoon sun. The wood of felled trees has also been widely used in the carving of religious icons as far back as the 16th century and as a source of firewood before the modern use of gas. In fact, the glassmakers of Hebron, who are famed for their stained glass, continue to use charcoal derived from olive trees to fire their kilns. And while the quantifiably beneficial uses of the olive tree are many, Perhaps what is even more valuable to Palestinians is the inspiration it has provided for poets, painters, and prophets down the ages, not to mention the special place it continues to occupy in their culture and quest for statehood. This is all why I wanted to mention the olive tree and really illustrate its significance to Palestinians, and also just point out that destroying these crops and these trees or claiming them for your own, it actually is an insult to the land itself. And that is a Zionist action that I just think has no actual uh, excuse or or defense. Why destroy the land that you want so badly, if not for spite and hate? So that's what I want to talk about today. I hope it was interesting or educational or whatever I highly encourage you to try Zaytu one day in your life from an actual Arab person so you can make sure it's good but yeah, that's all I got so thank you for listening and until next time fuck the IDF, and fuck Israel, bye! could happen here is a production of cool zone media for more podcasts from cool zone media visit our website coolzonemedia.com or check us out on the iHeartRadio radio app apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts you can find sources for it could happen here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash
1: sources thanks for listening bean dad the dress 30 to 50 feral hogs if you knew what any of those were you spend too much time online and hey i do too